Parents, everyone knows that social media can be a bad influence on our kids, but there's another massive issue caused by technology that most people are afraid to discuss. That is online pornography. Most kids are exposed to graphic sexual content online before they turn 13, and it's usually by accident. That's unacceptable, especially since research shows that regularly watching pornography is linked with all kinds of negative life outcomes, like worse mental health and unstable romantic relationships. No one wants that for their kids, but most parents don't know powerful technology exists that can prevent exposure from happening in the first place. That's why we're proud to partner with Canopy, the world's most advanced internet filter, to bring families a tool that can help them flourish by protecting them from explicit content. Look, kids deserve a chance to be kids, and installing Canopy is a vital step all parents should take to keep their families safe online. To learn more about Canopy, just click the link in the show notes or go to canopy.us forward slash blueprint and use the promo code blueprint, all lowercase, to get 30 days free and 15% off your subscription forever. I use Canopy to protect our family and so should you. Hi everyone, this is Dr. Eric Coram, founder of AIM7. Welcome back to The Blueprint, where we distill cutting-edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Peter Haberl. Peter is a senior sports psychologist for the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee. He's one of the leading authorities on mindfulness and mental performance, but he's also a friend and a contributor to AIM7. In this episode, we discuss how to perform at your best under pressure. Peter details some shocking examples of how some elite athletes feel and operate under pressure, and it's very surprising. Dr. Haber also explains that doubt is normal and why focusing on developing confidence is not the solution for being your best when it matters the most. Finally, we discuss the form and function of emotion. And let me just tell you, this is a fascinating but very practical episode. So now it's time to lean in and learn from the best. Peter, how can we better cope with uncomfortable feelings and emotions and be our best in high pressure situations? I think the first step here really is in being open to the presence of uncomfortable thoughts and feelings. Sometimes we, we fall in the trap that when we have uncomfortable thoughts and feelings, such as doubt, for example, that there's something wrong with us and, and we shouldn't feel this way. And that, that you know, the Olympians of the mind, so to speak, the, the real ones, the champions, they don't have such, such doubt, such uncomfortable thoughts and feelings. And again, it's simply not true. Having doubt is, is very common. We actually all have it. And there's actually nothing nothing wrong with that. I, I use this one quote a lot from an athlete. The athlete goes, I had doubt all the 11 years I played here. That's a really long time, right? Yeah. That's a really long time. <laughs> right? 11 years of doubt. So then I asked, well, well, do you want to be this guy, right? Do you want to be an athlete who has doubt for 11 years? And the answer I get, no, I don't want to be this guy. And then I ask, well, why don't you want to be this guy? Well, if you feel that way, the response comes. If you feel that way, you will not be doing well, 
you'll not compete well. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, that 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 kind of makes sense, doesn't it? But then I I, I show who, who I reveal who this athlete is, and the athlete who made that quote is is Rafael Nadal talking about the French Open. And at that time, when he made that comment, eleven years, he had won nine times. So Rafael Nadal understands how his mind works, and that understanding then allows him to skillfully work with his mind. So by saying in all these 11 years, I had doubt, that tells me that the doubt doesn't get in the way, right? So can I be open to these unpleasant thoughts and feelings and again, understand their function? Nadal actually goes on and says, doubts are good for you in life. That's kind of a bold statement, right? Mm -hmm. And again, you won't find too many people sign up for saying, hey, give me some doubt. I want some doubt. I want some doubt, right? People will say, well, I, I want confidence. And, and they come to me and say, hey, can you help me with confidence? And my answer is, no, I can't. That's not what they want to hear. That's not what they want to hear, no. But when I, when I, when I give that answer, usually the eyes get pretty big, right? Because uh, then there's some curiosity there, right? Uh, and truth be told, I, I could probably help you with confidence, but I don't want to because confidence it is, is a feeling state that we actually have a lot less control over than we think. If you're someone that's pushing to be your best in all areas of your life, work, home, physically, mentally, and spiritually, then I invite you to sign up for my weekly newsletter adaptation. In this newsletter, I curate actionable information and resources for high performers just like you. You can sign up now by clicking the link in the show notes or going to www.ericcorum.com. Now, back to the show. And that feeling state might evaporate at very critical moments in, again, in my world, in a competition at the Olympic Games. So you take the favorite, for example, right? The favorite usually has reason to be confident. But at some point in time, the favorite will be challenged in the competition. And then all of a sudden, a question mark appears behind the outcome. I might not actually win, or we might not win in the team setting. And when that question mark comes, right, then doubt starts to erode. And then athletes think, oh, I got to fix this feeling, as opposed to actually, no, you don't. You want to be aware of it, right? And then you want to bring your attention to the task at hand. And again, take actions that are guided by your values. And I think, you know, a great example here is, is you come from, from the world of football, right? When back in the day, when, when the Patriots played the Atlanta Falcons in the Super Bowl. And, and uh, the Falcons, I think they were up 25 nothing at halftime or 28-3, three quarters into the game, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and everybody thought this game was over. And I remember watching that game and the owner from the Falcons came down to the field. I was just thinking the same thing. And, and you could just tell how happy he was, right? And you could see how, how confident that team felt. And there was this quote from Tom Brady, and he was asked, you know, did you still believe? And the answer he said he gave was, well, you know, at that with that score, not really, but we kept playing, right? Mm -hmm. So so to that tells me the focus of, of him and his team was in the present moment, and they took actions connected with their values, right? They, they kept competing. They kept competing and they kept their foot on the gas pedal. Now, my theory is, is that most likely the Falcons took their foot off the gas pedal just 
a little bit because they were so confident. So to me, this is an example of, of how a positive emotion like confidence actually didn't help at all. When it back to Nadal, doubts are good for you in life, he says, right? Because Nadal has doubts every time he faces an opponent. So he honors that doubt by preparing the right way for every opponent. And you never see Nadal underestimate a first-round opponent. Mm-mm. You watch his interviews, you watch his press conferences, and he always talks about this next guy. He's like the toughest guy ever that I'm going to play. So the doubt helps him be prepared for what is to come. There's a respect there. There's a respect there, exactly. Right. Mm. Which, by the way, that tells us something about his values, right? No question. Wow. This is this is not how most people would answer this question. <laughs> but I think when you when you take it from that perspective, you know, going back to something, you have to be open to doubt when you don't consider it when that question mark appears you're in trouble exactly because exactly. the falcons still could have won that game um and they made some very poor decisions in a lot of different ways but yeah the patriots score a touchdown at some point i've been in situations where like this where all of a sudden i was i was part of a team we were up three scores to a team that we hadn't beaten like six years there was doubt, but like no confidence. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And at some point, the doubt overtakes your confidence and your ability to act and you kind of succumb. Um, and it seemed like the, the history of the Falcons started creeping up, you know, and um, they weren't taking action anymore. They become they became passive. You're right. I mean, it's just really, really interesting. So I've never really thought about it this way. And I appreciate you recalibrating my mindset. This is super helpful. Anything else you have to say about this? Well, just again, to, to write this idea of what is the function of the emotion as opposed to what is the form. So, you know, staying in with this example from the Falcons, I mean, obviously it's hypothetical, and I'm to a certain extent you know, the Monday morning quarterback here. Yeah. Because um, I don't, don't really know what, what went on in their heads, right? Mm-hmm. But, um, but there was this quote from one of, one of their players that, that you know, they thought they had the game won, right? So, so, so you think you have something. And then reality tells you perhaps you don't. And then as, as you mentioned, there's this switch from confidence to doubt. This is where doubt can become negative, right? We can use the word passive. So doubt then makes you passive. Hmm. Can I be aware of that now the emotion is starting to control my behavior? And then again, once I'm aware of that, I can actually do something about it, not by changing the emotion. Not by changing the emotion, but by changing the actions I want to take. Because mm. the Falcons, they're competitors too, right? So here's a moment. Let's compete. Let's compete. Let's bring our attention to this play and let's bring our intensity to this play and then let's execute, irrespective of what emotions are present. Makes so much sense. Thank you so much, Peter, for this. I really, I mean, every time we talk, I just, I'm going to go back and listen to this conversation three or four times. There's so much rich context. I really appreciate your insight. Thanks for your kind words, Eric. If you want to support The Blueprint, then please hit the subscribe button on whichever listening platform you are listening on. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you in the next episode.